0: say is your greatest challenge in life? Does it have to do with your daily schedule? Or maybe finances? Or maybe something with your health? Or maybe it's someone that you are close to but have a little difficulty dealing with? Or maybe it's a burden in life that you're carrying that no one else knows about? Yes, we all have our challenges in life, don't we? Some greater than others. And God knows that one of the challenges that we often deal with is in those uh, relationships which we carry on from day to day, uh, whether it is in the home or whether it is at work, the place we serve. Now, one of the reasons in our day that those challenges sometimes become greater is the way that many in our world today have come to look at authority. Questioning it. Resisting it. Even looking at it with disdain. Why should I obey anyone? I am my own person. Who can tell me what to do? And so we see that often in a world where freedom and independence and individuality rise to the top, uh, often it has effects in our society. We see the breakdown in society, chaos without control, problems without peace. And that's why God has given us his will for our lives even in the area of our relationships in life. Yes, uh, he knows that no matter what position we have, no no matter what role or calling we carry out in life, those relationships that we carry on with others will be influenced by and will in fact influence our relationship with him. Jesus once said that Uh, The measure of a person's worth is not in how much freedom they attain, but in how faithfully they serve. On the eve of his own suffering and death, he told his disciples, the greatest among you must be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. Yes, service is what matters in God's kingdom. And that's very often very different than what our world teaches. Now, to serve means to put others first, to honor them, to respect them. And when we are called to do so, to obey them. And as we learn to obey others, we also learn to obey God. But more than that, God also seeks us to bless us through those relationships that we have. And so today, we'd like to look at those relationships in the home, whether we are a child, a parent, or in our area of service in life, whether we're an employee or an employer, a manager. And we do so reflecting the relationship that we have in the Lord in our daily lives. Now, learning to obey those in authority over us does teach us also to learn to obey God. But also we see that as we do learn to obey him, the Lord does seek to bless us in our lives. And so there are really three reasons why we obey uh, that fourth commandment. Number one, because it is God's commandment. Number two, because through it we also learn to obey God. And number three, because God seeks to bless us as we seek to fulfill his commands. Now we might tend to think at times that the fourth commandment was given only for children. After all, it reads, uh, honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. And parents will turn to their children and say, see, this means you. And they're right. God is speaking to children. And he is asking them to obey their parents. Not just when they would like to, or not just when they think it's a good thing to do, but the apostle actually said to his fellow believers, to the children in Colossae, children, obey your parents in everything. Not only when they think it is right and fair, uh, not only when they think that uh, there is something that even when A parent asks them to do something they think they're not sure about. God says they are to obey. Why? Because this is pleasing. This is right, God says. Now, for children, there is a little secret uh, we can let them in on that not many children know. And that is that their parents actually know more about their lives than they do. Children say, well, no way, but it's true. I'm not sure why, maybe it has something to do with the fact that parents have been there a little longer, maybe 25, 35, 45 years or more. But there's another little secret I can let children in on, and that is that when you seek to obey your parents and do what they ask, you'll find that they are more willing to give you those things that will truly make you happy than if you always try to disobey them. Yes, so honor them. Don't talk back, respect them. As if they were the parents that God himself gave you, because after all, God did give them. And children are to obey in everything. And how long is this respect and honor for parents to go on until you're 14 or maybe 18 or 21? Well, God says we are to respect and honor our parents throughout our lives into their old age. And when we do, then God promises that life will go better for us. And children will find that they will get along better with their teacher because, well, they'll learn to obey them too. They'll also find that they will be good citizens in society. That they'll learn from others, which may be very helpful as they live their lives. And they will also learn to obey God. Yes? Yes? And God promises through that a long life. Now, there are exceptions, of course. We know that Jesus was the perfect child, and yet he lived on this earth only for 33 years. And yet, as a general rule, when children do seek to respect and honor their parents, they find that they will avoid many of those pitfalls in life that make life miserable or short. Now parents, you've heard what God says to children. God says that children are to obey you in everything. Now that puts a pretty big responsibility on us as parents. The Apostle Paul writes, fathers do not exasperate, that is frustrate your children, but instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Make sure that your rules and regulations are right and reasonable and and beneficial. Make sure that you praise your children when they do what is right, even though it may not meet your standards. Remind them how much you love them and are proud of them and make the punishment fit the crime and always always be willing to forgive them as your heavenly father is willing to forgive those who do repent yes parents god has placed you in the home as his representatives he has entrusted these children to your care really for a short time, because eventually you'll have to give them back to him. But as you live out your lives with your children, you know how God treats you as his child. Treat your children in the same way. Recently I read a book that might be a good read for every parent. The book is entitled Seven Things That Children Need. And here are the seven. Number one, children need significance. They need to know that their life has meaning. It has purpose. It is given by God himself. Number two, security. A child needs to know that someone has their back, that they are protected. They are safe. Number three, acceptance. Yes, every child is unique. Every child is different. And so learn to accept uh, your children as children of God for who they are, not for what you would like them to be. You may know that Martin Luther's father wanted him to become a lawyer. that instead, the Lord used him to be the reformer of the church. Number four, love. Yes, where love is present in the home and where a child is immersed in that love, they will grow up to love and care for others. A lack of love can be most detrimental to a child's development. Number five, praise. Mark Twain once said, I can live for two months on one good compliment. Yes, encouraging your children goes a long way in paying rich dividends. Consistent criticism does not. And number six is discipline. Yes, every child needs discipline rendered in love. And when a child is disciplined with love and respect and care, that child will soon learn Let their parents care for them, care for them enough to discipline, that is, to train them. The Bible says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Some years ago I read about uh, a new school that went up and when they built the school they didn't have time to finish the fence around the playground. And so when school started and the children went out for recess, the children played only in the very center of the playground. And finally when they finished putting up the fence around the playground they noticed that children played everywhere in the playground. The lesson, children need to know what the boundaries are. A child who never receives discipline doesn't know the boundaries. And number seven, most importantly, obviously, children need God. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. A child who learns to know God learns to know that despite their own weaknesses and faults and failings, and, and we all have them, they learn to know that God is loving and forgiving, that he is kind and compassionate, that he is their provider and protector, he is their redeemer, their savior, he is their constant companion their counselor, their comforter. In short, he is their all in all. Now, interesting, isn't it, that these seven things that children need are really needed by everyone, no matter what your age. Little ones, youth, adults, we all need significance and security. We need acceptance and love, praise, and discipline. And yes, we all need God. And parents who drink in that significance and security, that acceptance and love, that praise and discipline that God sends their way, learn how to train their children in the training and instruction of the Lord. In his ways. Now, Certainly there are going to be mistakes along the way every parent will make them and when that happens it's an opportunity for parents to say to their children which also teaches children to say to their parents to others and to God those six most significant words in our vocabulary. I am sorry Please forgive me. But even more important than those words are the words that we need to hear. You are forgiven. In Christ, we have come to know that forgiveness, that love and acceptance that he has for us because of what he has done for us. As a boy in the home, earthly home of his uh, parents, uh, He was obedient to them. We're told he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And as the son of his heavenly father, we know that he was willing to set aside his will to do his father's will. Not my will, but yours be done. As a savior of sinners, he is the one who is willing to take upon himself our sin, our guilt, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And as a shepherd and overseer of our souls, he is the one who has set us free from that debt that we owed to God. And if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Yes, in Jesus we have the peace that we can find nowhere else. Peace with God that surpasses all understanding. And so in your home, let that peace that Christ has won for you and for those you love shine in all its brilliance as goodness and grace and humility and compassion continue to grow in your home. Now what about that area in life where many spend more than 40 percent of their waking hours dealing with others in the workplace? Now we know that the workplace is intended to be a place of joy and reward, a place where increasing productivity leads to a sense that when a job is well done there is that sense of satisfaction that settles over those who are carrying out their calling which the Lord has given them but we know that too often that's not the case it's intended to be that but too often that's where we face the frustration when things don't go as planned or where those who are intended to work together are doing anything but working together Now, in the Roman world, uh, where Paul is writing this letter to these Christians in Ephesus, there were many there who did have to deal with the hardship of slavery. And Paul told them that if they could gain their freedom, they were free to do so. But he told them even if they could not, still they were the Lord's freedmen free from sin and its consequences, free from Satan and his deceits and lies, free from death and its fearful grip on those it holds. As in Christ, they were free, free to live in him. He said, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me." And so the Apostle was writing these words to those where that was common. But as we hear these words once again, I'll read again from verse five and following. Consider your own calling or vacation in life, whatever that may be, whether as an accountant or an engineer, whether a teacher or principle, whether a carpenter or a plumber. You know your calling in life. And as you listen to these words once again, consider what difference it would make on Monday morning if you went to work with this attitude. Paul says slaves, employees, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear Now, would that make a difference? I believe it would. And then going to work, we would look upon it as something we could look forward to. And while there, it would be something that is a joy because we're serving the Lord. And when we come home, we can leave it all behind us because we know it is the Lord we are serving. Yes, there is nothing like the freedom of serving the Lord without fear. But what about those who are over others? Masters, employers, managers. Well, Paul has a word for them too. He says, Treat your servants in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. If you could picture that congregation in Ephesus that the apostle is writing these words to. There in that congregation, there were those who had their freedom and those who did not. Masters and servants. All of them together sitting around the word of God, listening to that word, confessing their faith in him, singing, praying together. Because in the Lord's eyes, they were all one. He is the one who shows no favoritism for the Lord is the one who looks at the heart, not not the outward appearance or position. And in Christ, we, we are one. And now we have the privilege to serve others with the the dignity and respect, the humility and compassion with which the Lord serves us. Think of that. The one who is the Lord of all became the servant of all, that he might also be the Savior of all. And now he calls us serve others in his name as well. Amen.